Hello, audiobook fans. Welcome to another episode of your favorite audiobook first podcast. Today, Harper Audio presents The Narrator's Super Friends. We've been focusing a lot on authors on the podcast recently, so we wanted to change things up a bit and focus on the people inside the booth, the narrators. Graham Halstead, Saskia Marleveld, and Brittany Presley are prolific audiobook narrators, but more than that, they are a tight-knit group of friends. We took them away from their busy recording schedules for a few minutes to get their origin story of how they came to know each other. Through that, you'll learn tricks of the trade and get a glimpse into what life is like for a professional audiobook narrator. What they have to say is fascinating and informative, but don't worry, there are lots of very silly moments in this interview too. And what kind of show would this be if we didn't show off the super friends using their superpowers? So later in the show, you'll get to hear some superb audiobook samples from this trio. But first, let's get to the interview with Graham, Saskia, and Brittany. Normally on the show, I am the one who who introduces everybody, but I figure since you are all professional narrators and have much better voices than I do. I that I think you should just stay in your I would I would love you're to have everybody your usual capacity. Uh, introduce themselves in maybe their most grandiose like radio voice possible. Oh great. Great. We already planned for Graham to introduce us, so I think we're Alright, I'll I'll introduce I guess everybody else. Sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> Um, here with me today, we have two wonderful narrators. The first, with a voice that grabs you and doesn't let go, <laughs> full of import, 400 audiobooks and counting, the voice of Star Wars, of universes of characters. It's Saskia Marleveld. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> and in the other corner, we have... The voice of the babysitter's club. We have. No. no, it's empty. Is anybody in that corner? Oh, no, it's the other corner. It's the other corner over there. Are the you voice... guys fighting each other? Is that, well, you're in opposite corners? Yeah. The voice of the babysitter's club, Amelia Bedelia, with a real relatable sound, like your best friend was telling you the story. <laughs> it's Brittany Presley. Woo-hoo. What's up? You guys asked for this, by the way. Yeah, we did. And then there's Graham. And then there's me, Graham and then Halstead. there's beloved narrator. <laughs> Graham Halstead. Hi, Graham everybody. Halstead. It's nice to see you. Um, I would love to get into some of the ins and outs of being a professional narrator, especially for a layman like me. Uh, but before that, I want to touch on that the, the reason that we have the three of you here specifically is because uh, internally we refer to you all as the narrator super friends. Sweet. Aww. I like that. So... You're all very close. I would love to know more about how that happened, or or is the world of audiobook narrators really this small? <laughs> well, we came together because of our superpower. <laughs> We're not just narrators. We also fight crime. <laughs> I wish that was true. Um, yeah, I guess Saskia and I met each other in school, what, like 10 years ago now? 12 no, years like ago? 15 years ago. Oh, my ago. God, 15 years ago. We're not that young <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no we, we became friends in school um we had a, a web series that we made together called kevin and phoebe mm-hmm. um, a short comedy series uh, and then we both got into doing voiceover 
sort of around the same time, I would say, right? Yeah. And then Brittany and I happened by chance to meet in a voiceover class. Yep. And it really hit it off. Yeah. And kind of, I feel like it... I mean, I feel like to answer the question of like, is it a... It is a small community, but I think it has gotten... It is far more social than when we first yeah. began. Mm. And the idea of like our group of friends, I'm just saying we started friendship basically. <laughs> yes. we, we invented the idea of being yeah. friends. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. but I do sort of feel like there there was, it's a very isolated profession. So everyone mm -hmm. kind of keeps to themselves. Um, and it's only been, I feel like in the last couple of years where people have started to like meet up and have create social, networks yeah. and, and be like, we should all be friends. We're not in competition. Like, we're in competition, yeah. but we're not in competition, and you know. But we were friends first. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We start. They basically yeah. we led by right. example. Right. Yeah. Right. We and we showed that. people that what friends look, being friends look like. <laughs> um, no, but we met in a class um, randomly, like and a commercial voiceover. Yeah, class. commercial voiceover class, and it was kind of like this wild class that, like, I mean, the class wasn't wild, but it was <laughs> it was wild in that, like, I feel like because uh, Michael Crouch was also in that yeah. class. That's right. Um, I met him at a commercial audition. Yeah, like, and we were all kind we of started. like at this at very similar like I would stages. say yeah stages yeah. in our career. We were all mm -hmm. kind of like we'd done a little bit of stuff. Like you know, some of us had more like you had more audiobook experience. Like I was doing a little bit more commercial. Like we all mm -hmm. kind of had different levels of experience, and we yeah. kind of all like helped each other with like and when you're in the booth all the time by yourself. It's nice to have people to be social with that yeah. you can also talk about work with because yeah. otherwise you're just talking to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and then we lived um, close. We moved and lived like, what, six really blocks from each, each other. other. So yeah. that that helped. And I feel like with Graham, like I was always like only hanging out with Graham via Saskia. <laughs> And there's always like that taking that next taking that next, next step of friendship yeah. when you start to hang out, out outside <laughs> yeah. of the person who introdu introduced you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you came with my like, wedding, and I, yeah, I got to meet Partygram. We've been to each other's weddings. Let's talk about Partygram. Yeah, yeah. Partygram. No, I mean, that was that was a contingency so. upon attendance to my wedding. I was yeah. like, you can come to my wedding, but only if you bring Partygram. And, and he, oh, he and did, he and he brought. Yeah, he came. He conquered. <laughs> so, so from party to business, then, uh, right. what is the best way to break into the business? You mentioned that you were all together in a, a class, and that's how you met. Is is like classwork the best way to then get into the world of audiobooks? I mean, I think we were all doing it prior. We to were this all doing class. Mm -hmm. I always, when people reach out to me now in the way that the audiobook industry is now, I feel like the first things I tell them to do are like to go online and do a lot of research because there is a lot of information out there, especially with ACX and a lot of different publishers have their own um, set of information about becoming a narrator. I do recommend people taking classes and coaching because I think it's really helpful yeah. to meet other people who are doing it and also- Find your own super friends. Yeah, exactly. My first advice is always Find a small room, a closet, <laughs> preferably, and sit down in it and read out loud for an hour or two. 
and, and then times see that what by that four. feels like. <laughs> like. But seriously, like, and people laugh at me when I say that, but I'm like, no, I'm serious. That's like, that's what you're doing. And if that makes you feel claustrophobic or that make that feels <laughs> tedious or that, yeah. I mean, certainly it's, it's more than that, but like a lot of it isn't. A lot of it is really you by yourself reading aloud and it's, it's long and it's definitely a... It's a marathon. It's, yeah, it's an endurance sport. I think a lot of people also maybe who aren't actors, you know, think like, oh, I have a nice voice. Mm-hmm. I would love to to do books or do voiceover at all. And I always think, you know, performance is where I come from. It's where Saskia comes from. It's where Brittany mm-hmm. comes from. I think it's like such a huge part of performing a right. book is is the the connection you bring to it and how you can... You know, of course, there's character voices and, you know, different pacing and stuff. But It also makes me feel, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like because you guys have lovely voices. But it also also (laughs) makes me feel like instantly self-conscious when I tell someone. They're like, oh, yeah, you." I feel like people feel compelled to be like, yeah, you have a nice voice. I'm like, I don't. (laughs) It's okay. You don't have to say that. I don't have like a nice. She does. She does. But I'm saying like it's not like a. It's not all about. It's not about the voice. Like it's not about having like this Perfect, beautiful, smooth, wonderful oh, voice. So Although good. that is yeah, nice. That Although that is nice. That's pretty good. That is nice. People pay good money for that. But yeah. <laughs> that's not what I'm bringing to the table. So. Yeah, but you bring a host of other like amazing qualities yeah. to the table that I think, like you said, are are what make uh, yeah. performance mm-hmm. and compelling and important. Right. So well, it's like even if you have a beautiful, sorry, even if you have a beautiful voice, but if that's all you bring to the table, mm-hmm. you bring no performance, no emotion, no dynamics. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how beautiful well, your I voice is, it's going to be boring. The, that leads to like the most important thing, which is storytelling, which is the basis of everything we do. And that's, I think, what makes a good narrator is the ability to tell a story regardless of what voice you're doing it in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're not connected and in the moment and really trying to convey the story, then it doesn't translate well for me. Is that the biggest difference between a good narrator and a bad narrator then? I mean, I think for myself, when I first started out, I think one of the questions was about if you could hop in a DeLorean and go back to you doing your first audio book, <laughs> yeah. what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, very specifically a DeLorean. I no mean, other I, time I, I travel. to it. Yeah. I knew exactly what you meant. I can imagine getting in and out. Um, the advice I would give myself would be to don't try to be a, like the narrator. Yes. I think I was so concerned you know, with sounding like those golden age of radio kind of voices, mm-hmm. like sounding like a narrator. 100%. And, right. And, and like, I just focused on on creating this sound instead of, like Saskia yourself. was saying, being myself right. and telling the story well. Um, You're the vessel for through which the words and the story yeah. is coming through. And they hire you for... Who, what you're, what you bring, not yeah. for you trying to pretend like you're someone else, like trying to be another narrator or another uh, right person. And of course, those voices can be amazing, and there's some really incredible narrators out there with mm-hmm. those golden voices that you just melt when you hear. Yeah, but they're not um, thinking about doing right, that that's voice. Just that's just what sound. they sound yeah, like. They're just so. blessed that way. I also think when you say that's like blessed. good narrator, difference between a good narrator and a bad na- narrator, I think it's important to remember, and I try to remember this whenever I read reviews of mine that are not so pleasant. Every, it's so subjective. Yeah, it's Everyone likes choice. totally different things. What I like um, is not going to be the same as what everyone likes. So you kind of have to remember that some people like a lot of character voice, hearing a lot of character voices. Some people like it when the narrator does no character voices at yeah. all. And it just, 
is very uh, right personal taste. Yeah, I feel like good narrator, bad narrator. It's like there's things that I enjoy listening to, and therefore that's the kind of narrator I strive to be is the kind that mm-hmm. I would want to listen to. Um, and you've achieved that. But <laughs> I love listening to you. But I feel like, yeah, there's there's certainly things that, like you said, I see people that, you know, they don't, they just really just read. And some people, that's what they want. They're like, I just wish people would just, just read the book. Yeah, just enough of these newfangled you know, character like, voices. Don't, you know, like, I want to imagine what they sound like. I don't, yeah. and so it's like, they're really looking at it from a almost informational. Just, yeah, like, informa- like they're just, they just want to hear the words. Mm. So um, I think that that is less and less what people want yeah. now. I think that, I, I feel like it, the, the medium has changed and mm. that was kind of what was, that was sort of the ways of old was just this sort of presentational kind mm-hmm. of um, narrators. And then now that it's become more of a performance, and I think now people hear that, you know, you don't come know what you, you don't know what you want until you more, hear yeah. it, mm-hmm. hear something different. And you're like, oh, well, that's, that's fun. That's yeah. much more interesting to listen to. And then there's like a desire for that. And I think people then seek that out mm-hmm. um, because it's like a more immersive listening experience how many accents do we have in this room that we could accomplish i'm just this is just a curious quantitative uh survey i don't <laughs> I mean, know she can do Sasa them all can do them all so <laughs> <laughs> that's the, to, the top the max number that exists in the world i can't do them i feel all. like there's varying like there's like you know just in a language how there's like are you fluent versus <laughs> like conversational versus right. like versus audiobook accent there's i feel like there's a <laughs> there is a audiobook version of a lot of accents sure mm. for especially if you're doing them a lot in a book you need yeah. to make right. sure if that it's listenable and understandable so much, or if the, mm. the narrator themselves is speaking with an right. accent you know because yeah it's true it like even if something is 10 hours correct but it's still maybe like <laughs> yeah like then Labor, it, you're not yeah. gonna be able to hear it and you know yeah. you still have to, people have to understand i mean understand what you're saying mm. like also you don't want to ever fall as a narrator you never want to fall into the trap of um performing it, the accent performing yeah. the accent and having the accent take over f- the storytelling if that's what you're if you're focusing so hard right. on how to do the accent it can be a pitfall and actually take away from you know if you've just done a lighter version mm. and really been able to focus on the performance a little more yeah, I think save those like intense accents for those small characters who yeah. have one or two lines yeah. and don't come back <laughs> right. till the end or whatever. Yeah. But I think uh. that I I don't know. I also have a sort of my feeling about accents relates to like singing, where it's like you have to if you have any fear or hesitation, it's not going to come out well. Yeah. Like if don't you do if it. you're worried that you might not hit that high note. Like you, you're not gonna it's hit it. Yeah. You're not it's gonna hit it. Like if you hesitate at all, <laughs> it's gonna be like. Ah. Yeah, or and if, I feel like with accents too, it's like once you've decided that you're gonna do it, like just do it and fully commit to it. Because I think the times when it doesn't sound mm-hmm. good or when I don't feel good about it are those times where I feel like not as confident, and so I start to pull back and I start mm. to slide in and out mm-hmm. of it. Mm. I just did something recently with an accent that I was a little nervous about, and my engineer was like, "When you're doing it, you're nailing it." He was like, "So just." Do don't it. feel self-conscious. <laughs> don't feel like you sound stupid. Mm. Like, just do it and it sounds good. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like confidence yeah. is key. On also, accents. like, if it's on your resume and someone's like, oh, oh yeah. I see you do a Russian accent. If there's anything that's going to come out of your mouth other than yes, mm. 
Like if you yes. have any hesitation, <laughs> yeah, just don't put it on there. It's yeah. like in the audition if they're like, do, do you, you ride horses? Do, yeah. You're like, I own them. Yeehaw. Yeah, like, right. yeah, exactly. Sure. Or can I? Can not you do like, a cartwheel? Yes, right now. Yeah, not, now. Like, I need not to practice. like I'm sure if I yeah. practice for a week, I can definitely get it down. My next question was, can you all do cartwheels right now? Yes. yes. It really plays well on podcasts. <laughs> I very hear the yeah. Oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. We do sound effects as well. We did cartwheels. We do fully fully. <laughs> well, what other like skills brought you to becoming an audiobook narrator? Or was the 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 dream always to be an audiobook narrator or to be a Foley artist like Graham just right, said? That's yeah. my, been my dream. <laughs> I think we all kind of like stumbled upon this as something that we discovered through something else we were uh, pursuing. Or I mean, Graham and I both went to to college and studied acting and theater. And uh, my way of falling into this was really random, and I didn't actually realize that it was a profession that I, or you know, career I could pursue, even though I'd listened to audiobooks before. And um, whereas, like, I forgot actually, I feel like I know the story, but I forgot. How did you do your first book? I saw a post on Actors Access, which never happens because, I mean, this was back in the day, back in the day. Like five years ago. That was like 10 years ago. It was like 2010. That was a long time ago. So Actors, they, no one ever, it's a very insular community. So I feel like for the most part, it takes a while to break in. But once you're in, it's small and everyone kind of knows everyone else. But they posted a posting for like a New Zealand voice and I was mm -hmm. like oh, audiobook I'll try that and then <laughs> I auditioned and ha and voice. somehow yeah. I got it I, and um and uh, I was like oh this is a job where they like this is an acting job where they pay you and you get to like act all of the parts and tell the whole story and that kind of sold me on yeah. it yeah whereas I feel like mm -hmm. you were yeah I mean I had been a kid actor so I had been an actor um, when I was younger, and then I was living in New York, and I was doing more music and focusing on that. Brittany has an amazing singing voice. <laughs> yes. um, Go to karaoke with her. You won't be disappointed. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, really quickly. Heartbreaker. Oh, so good. Or right. Jolene, but okay. you know, oh, yeah. usually someone's already done that at that point. <laughs> that time of the night. Um, uh, so really, mine was... My my hustle was born out of just basic um, economics, which is that I bought a whole bunch of stuff, a bunch of like really expensive, like an expensive like mic. And I, yeah. yeah. And my boyfriend at the time um, uh, was an audio engineer. And so I was kind of just like doing like music stuff and like doing some little baby voiceover stuff that I was like looking on like Craigslist and stuff for just like Really all to supplement music. Bills. Yeah, I was like, oh, sure, I'll do your voicemail for 100 bucks. Why not? Um, and then I got asked by someone to do, like, an excerpt from a book that she was working on. And I'm like, okay. And really um, uh, someone that my boyfriend was friends with worked in publishing, and he was an audio engineer. And I was always trying to get him to get a job as an audiobook engineer. <laughs> like, come on, like this would be something you can use your like skills for. And then he never wanted to pursue it. And I was like, well then I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, I like found a passage of this author online and read a read it. 
I recorded myself yeah. and I got that book and we all have like the performance are. background. So I feel like that yeah. kind of led us to but different skills. Like you have the right. musical side, you know. But I didn't um, have any notion. Nice. Graham. <laughs> Graham also has a very musical side, yes. which he doesn't let out. Thank you. Too often. But Unless he's party grand. Yeah. Unless, Unless he's party, party grand. grand. Party grand and musical grand. He also stay. knits. Hey. <laughs> he paints. Does, does party grand knit? Or is that totally different? Yes. That's vacation yes, grand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have many talents. He has many talents. Hey, many hidden talents. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Secrets out. You can sometimes hear the knitting needles when you're listening to your book. Often you can hear my cats meowing in the background. I've gotten <laughs> notes about that. Yeah. That's impossible to work around, though. I find that many people who do voice work or podcasting tend to have cats. And but then it's like, like the, the worst who, pet like, you can have Listening for that. to audiobooks or listening to podcasts are the kind of people that would just love to hear cats meowing. Yeah. Just, yeah. just a stray yeah. cat meow. Yeah. We'll I've start- had Oscar panting outside the <laughs> like, that's it's not that kind of book, but <laughs> but thanks for the sound effects, buddy. <laughs> but I'm sh- What's everyone's uh, go-to vocal warm-up? Graham? Graham's <laughs> probably the only one that does that. That was the Not most funny. pained, uh, like, faces I've ever seen. I didn't realize that was the most, like, painful question. Yeah. Um, One of my favorite ones is just uh, – that was given to me by the speech therapist that I talked to was just chewing, where you just literally, <laughs> like, chew off your jaw in like, a very exaggerated way, like, let the rest of your face go loose, like, slack, and then just – Chew and then that's like your gnashing. Yeah, like, makes you look really cool too. Like yeah, you can't like see Graham, your but cud. I look awesome right now. Um, <laughs> you kind of looked like a competitive eater for a minute <laughs> yes, there. You did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing around me to make foley sounds of competitive eating, so you're lucky. You're lucky, Andrew. <laughs> that one didn't. I, the one that you shared with me about the blowing through the straw. Mm. That one I find is like when I start to feel tightness, mm. like the. Whatever that does, it like kind of releases the tension. Mm. Well, it's like raising that the soft palate, mm-hmm. kind of like opera singers. Like yeah. when you yawn, like oh, oh there it goes. Yeah. Oh, oh no, you're yeah, I'm trying to go not yawn. Um, yeah, but no, like stretching out the soft palate is yeah. really good for for loosening that part of the back of the Mechanism. throat there. Yeah, I realized recently what I think is the worst. There's a lot of things that there's a lot of things that authors can write that are really hard to say. Mm-hmm. But there's one that also just can never come out right. And it's when there's a character named Jack <laughs> and he does a lot of asking. Oh, yeah. Because Jack then asks. you're const- constantly saying Jack asked. Yeah. Jack asked. Jack asked. <laughs> Jack and asks. it just turns into Jack asked. <laughs> yeah. And it's the worst. Yeah. yeah, I would like to put out just a little PSA for all you authors out there listening. <laughs> um, you know, really think about whether or not your characters need to clasp or grasp. Oh, clasp. Mm-hmm. Or um, those are the big ones. Do clasp, both in the same grasp, clasp, right. clasp, Clasped. And grasps. Grasped. Yeah, it's the, uh, you grasp, can clasp, the clasp something, yeah. but when you have to. When he it's clasped, clasped her shoulder. <laughs> grasped. Like yeah. those are just. <laughs> I always mess up words like intelligently or yeah, coherently. Or particularly, that you took only me a mess long up time. Words that, that are ironic for yeah, you to mess ironic, up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I've kept you here a long time, but how do you feel? <laughs> yeah. How long can we go? Uh, no. Do you have mus- muscle tension <laughs> disorder yet? Do you have muscle tension disorder? I feel like I do, honestly. <laughs> um, 
But we have one more big thing, very important thing we have to do before we get out of here. Mm-hmm. And that is dive into treats. <laughs> Not a bag of cookies. Uh, and that is dive into the very ornate uh, Harper Ooh. Audio Presents grab bag. It's velvet. It's a it has velvet. very tie. <laughs> High quality. <laughs> it's a velvet from Gristidi's brown paper bag. Limited edition. I think. I see that. Um, so I'm going to pass this along. Who wants to go first? Graham. Graham. Just reaching for Graham is ready. The velvet bag <laughs> called to me. All right. Um, and I have to answer it no matter what, right? Yes. Okay. Otherwise, you're not allowed to leave this room. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Is there a food you are afraid to eat? Ooh. Afraid? Saskia. That's a good one for me. You don't like it. You're afraid to eat it. Afraid to eat it. Afraid to eat. I tried this delicacy in Iceland. Um, They bury shark in the ground for several months until it rots. And then they feed it to humans. (laughs) So I tried it once. They got a real sense of humor in Reykjavik. Yeah. 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 They... uh, they cut it into little uh, like marshmallow shapes, so it tastes like a <laughs> ammonia flavored marshmallow. And I am afraid to put that in my mouth again. So I would say, rotten shark. But you, were, but you conquered your fear. I became more you afraid. After. You didn't realize you had the fear, right? And then the yeah. fear yeah. came out of eating the thing. <laughs> so yeah, rotten shark. Rotten shark. Rotten shark. Wait, oh, sorry. do we have to pay for that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't sing a second bad, word. Yeah. Rotten shark. Yeah, that is literally written on all of our. That was know, what not. Yeah. Harper Collins emails. Yeah, do we? Um, we can't pay any more money for copyright music infringement. Yeah. Could you name drop the most famous person you know for us? Oh. I think. I mean. I mean, I am in this room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to pass this to you. <laughs> no, I meant I'm in this room I am with in this room with already. Yeah. with you. Any guys. room I'm in. Yeah. Uh, most famous person I know. Well, I don't know. I'm gonna say my grandmother, who is a very well known. Just wait. Just wait. Uh, I would dare dare I say famous <laughs> New Zealand artist. And she is one of the uh, uh, national artists of New Zealand. What kind of art? Um, It it is her name is Pierre MacArthur. She just turned ninety, and she is still painting. And uh, she paints extremely uh, beautiful, vibrant, colorful, somewhat abstract. but not so abstract that you can't make out all the naked people in the paintings. <laughs> um, and they're colorful, beautiful, very large, and uh, very popular. Nice. So all right. Check her out. Yeah. But you also met Coco in a bathroom. Oh, I did. Oh, my God. Why did As I get like that? I also Coco? met Coco. Yes. Well, okay. so here's an – I can I name drop the SVU uh, I'm kind of cast. shocked that I know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you don't know. I was at a, a yeah. gala for Mariska Hargitay's Joyful Heart Foundation, where I got to meet all those people. But most important, I met Coco in a bathroom, <laughs> and she, and someone else asked her to take a photo with them. Mm-hmm. And so I took the photo for them. And then she turns to me and goes, do you want a photo? <laughs> and I was like— I guess. Who are you? <laughs> and, but what could I say other than 
Yeah, of course. And so I have a photo of me and Coco in the bathroom. That's <laughs> so great. That's your warm up uh, tongue twister, right? Is do you yeah. want your Coco photo? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's, I love that story. <laughs> um, okay. You can start a band with anyone, living or dead, who's in it. Living or dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like. That's hard. And we already have a name that's going to be the audiobook Super Friends. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's pretty much already there. Yeah. Um, Ready to go. I'll play the triangle. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But we won't have any spoons. music because we won't be able to afford the copyright. Right. You're going to well, no, do, do Berry Shark, Rotten Shark <laughs> is your hit? Yeah. Rotten Shark, Rotten Shark. Um, but, like, who, you must have, like, a, like... Your ultimate. Like, somebody's going to, like, play guitar and sing along with you. Who would be, like, Johnny Cash? So when I was still, a, you know, um, when I was still a singer, I mean, still, she per- is still, a still pursuing the the career of being a singer, um, I used to, well, oh, but R.I.P. Okay, that's all right. Um, <laughs> I was like, all right. Journey I was going to say, gonna say <laughs> David Bowie, but I also have a weird... Um, I really wanted to do a collaboration with Peter Frampton. Google it. Nobody yeah. knows who it is, but I maybe know who it is. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the youngest person here. Fantastic. I know who that is. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I yeah. just thought that would he make— He comes alive. I thought yeah. it would be really cool if yeah. I did that. So— Those are two good answers. Peter yeah. Frampton. Yeah. Right. Coco, Peter Frampton, <laughs> and Rotten Shark walking Yeah. <laughs> Thank you again to Graham, Saskia, and Brittany for coming on to the show. The next time we need you all to assemble, we'll flip on the narrator super friend signal. We're going to end our show today by playing you a smattering of samples from each narrator super friend. First up, you'll hear Graham read a favorite of ours on the audio team, Ted Bundy Conversations with the Killer, which is a transcript of real interviews with Bundy from authors Stephen G. Mishu and Hugh Ainsworth. Then you'll hear Saskia read Serpent and Dove by Shelby Mahirin, which is the first novel in a new exciting YA fantasy series. And then finally, you'll hear Brittany take on the iconic role of Amelia Bedelia in Amelia Bedelia and Friends Beat the Clock by Herman Parrish. Enjoy. The second idea, Ted's, is that he write an account of the Chi Omega killings as an opening chapter for the book. We, of course, are delighted. Well, let's see. Where are my notes? Oh, yes. You were going to think about a couple things. About how to get into that first chapter. Maybe an outline or something. Yeah, well, I told you that I'd thought it out. And uh, when we'd been working on this stuff, and I was... uh, I know the type of style that I'm interested in, that it has to be done in. And I found my old outline last night and sketched out, you know? Tried to elaborate on it some more last night. Uh, It'll take me a couple more days to get it done. I'm still uncomfortable with it, and, uh... Well, couldn't you just briefly tell what it... I mean, an idea what you're doing, what you're working on, how you foresee it? Well, it's in the... It's not certainly... uh, It's not going to be a first-person account. I understand that. Uh, It would be a third-person narrative, uh, just basically dwelling on uh, 
well, uh, trying to give you a flavor for what I'm talking about. Uh, touching on feelings, uh, feelings and sensations, as well as the down, the nitty gritty aspects of the place involved, you know? You can come to say the uh, feelings this person had before and what he was doing before in the hours, let's say, preceding this. That's great. And how these, uh, how it unfolded. The feelings during the commission of the crime, per se. Uh, how he escaped and, you know, how he eluded the police. And besides that, obviously the chronology of events, the more, uh, the interior feelings of this person, whether it be panic or drunkenness or confusion. Well, that would be tremendous. And it might help understand this unusual hybrid. But you're having some trouble? There's something haunting about a body touched by magic. Most people first notice the smell, not the rot of decay, but a cloying sweetness in their noses, a sharp taste on their tongues. Rare individuals also sensed a tingle in the air, a lingering aura on the corpse's skin, as if the magic itself was still present somehow, watching and waiting. Alive. Of course, those stupid enough to talk about such things ended up on the stake. Thirteen bodies have been found throughout Belterra over the past year, more than double the amount of years prior. Though the church did its best to conceal the mysterious circumstances of each death, all had been buried in closed caskets. There he is, Coco motioned to a man in the corner. Though candlelight bathed half of his face in shadow, there was no mistaking the gold brocade on his coat or the heavy insignia around his neck. He sat rigid in his chair, clearly uncomfortable, as a scantily clad woman draped herself across his plump midsection. I couldn't help but grin. Only Madame Labelle would leave an aristocrat such as Pierre Tremblay waiting in the bowels of a brothel. Come on. Coco motioned toward a table in the opposite corner. Babette should be here soon. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Amelia Bedelia's feet were talking to her. They were saying that she was walking under a giant oak tree laden with acorns. She closed her eyes and kept walking, listening to acorns being crushed under her sneakers with every step she took. Crunch, 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 crunch. Amelia Bedelia imagined that if acorns could talk, they were probably saying, welcome to Oak Tree Elementary. The oak tree in front of her school was as old as it was enormous. Its leaves were just beginning to turn brown, a dusty brown that made the whole tree look like it had been sprinkled with cocoa powder. Boo, hollered Clay. Amelia Bedelia jumped and opened her eyes. Her friend Clay had snuck up behind her. You look like you're sleepwalking, said Clay, laughing. Who can sleep through this racket, said Amelia Bedelia. She jumped into the air and landed, 
crunch, c-c-c-crunch, on some acorns. Clay covered his ears with his hands. This tree is making acorns like that's its job, said Clay. Well, I guess making acorns is its job, said Amelia Bedelia. The tree doesn't have to practice the piano, or learn how to speak Spanish, or memorize multiplication tables, or do word problems. The only thing our oak tree has to do is make acorns. It's doing an awesome job of that, said Clay. There are millions of them. Right, said Amelia Bedelia. Like our school motto says, mighty oaks from little acorns grow. Harper Audio Presents is a presentation of HarperCollins Publishers. Our staff includes Beth Ives, Fametta Sawyer, Nathan Rossborough, and me, Andrew Kaberline. Follow us on Instagram at Harper Audio and reach out to us on Twitter at Harper Audio Presents.